0: Welcome back to the Heartwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. In this episode, we're joined by Patrick Tui, president at Elite Performance 2E and author of Create Forever Teammates. Patrick mentors both coaches and players to bring back the enjoyment and fulfillment in their sports experience that too often is missing. In this episode and in his book, Patrick gives coaches ideas and strategies to create a better sports environment on their teams. Before we start, a quick word from Manawatsa.
1: Hi, Coach. This is Manawatsa here, president of PGC Basketball, and thanks so much for being a Hardwood Hustle listener. If you'd like to get weekly inspiration and tips right to your inbox from our PGC team, including my Monday Mindset videos and our Thursday three-point play newsletter, just go to pgcbasketball.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and in the Stay Connected section, just enter your email address and we'll start sending these to you each and every week. Once again, that's pgcbasketball.com. You'll love what we send you each week to help give you the inspiration and tips you need to be the best coach you can possibly be. Appreciate you being a part of our community. Welcome back to the Hardwood Hustle. We are joined by a special guest, Patrick Tui, And Patrick has written a book called Creating Forever Teammates. And we're really excited to dive into that today, Patrick, with you and really help coaches, you know, how to how to create teams with better teammates. I love that title, Creating Forever Teammates. Tell us uh, just to get started here. Tell us what inspired uh, you in writing this book uh, and how you got to this place.
2: Yeah, thanks. So what inspired me to write the book was based on my own athletic experience and coaching career uh, over a, a span of close to 25 years, 30 years. I was recognizing a number of things that were changing in the environment in which athletes were being built, how they were learning how to be athletes and the structure in which they do it. In. And As a result of it, again, no judgment of good or bad, but just witnessing these changes that were occurring environmentally and the challenges that they posed in respect to how are our athletes connecting today? How are they building relationships? And, you know, what are the challenges they're facing in order to do that in a way that looked somewhat like it would? prior generations or many generations back when the environment was so much different. And in my observations, I've learned that there's specific things that I can help coaches with to give them some awareness of what those challenges are, how they've changed and how they can integrate some things to bring back uh, a number of things that I think we're losing sight of in respect to the athletic experience. Patrick,
3: you know, so I've been a college coach for a little over 20 years now, and, I, you know, I've experienced several of these as well. I'd like for you to just, for our audience, let them know, what are some of the environmental changes that you've seen um, that, uh, that yeah. might hinder um, creating great yeah. forever teammates?
2: Yeah. So the environment itself, and then I'll give you some specifics. So the environment itself is such that it has a lot of adult intervention integrated into the athletic experience at a very young age. And because of that adult intervention, whether it be a parent, a coach, a specialist, a private lessons guru, or down the line, what what they've done is they've brought in this work-like experience And the environment itself concentrates on building that single athlete to have some degree of success. And as a result of it, there's a laser focus on the extrinsic development. And as a result of that laser focus on the extrinsic development, that's the skill set. That's the weightlifting. It's the number of things that take place today that are very vital in order for us to win has really placed a different kind of experience. And the problem we have with it is the age in which the commitment in order to do those things begins. It's gone all the way down. And one could even say to the grade school level in respect to that environment and the extrinsic focus. And so... When do we have some time to bring in, which I believe to be the intrinsic development? And that is things around love, selflessness, compassion, empathy, learning how to communicate, learning how to problem solve, learning how to deal with conflict, learning how to have hard conversations. Because of this adult intervention, and this laser focus on the extrinsic, we're not developing those within the athletic experience. And I believe they were always meant to be developed. So I want to bring that back. The environment's not going to change. We're not going to go back to independent free play, which is the era in which I grew up in, which a lot of this competing and a lot of this learning how to play was on an independent basis. But it's, it's causing some problems. And I, and I can tell you what they are. I can tell you what I see in the workshops I do for athletic teams across the country in high school. And I can specifically tell you what we're producing and what we all have to be aware of. And if we don't do something about it, we're going to find ourselves in a really bad situation when it comes to athletics.
3: You know, Patrick, and also, is it true that it's almost like doubled down? Not only is there this environment where there's so many um, people focused on the extrinsic, that's also what they're seeing in social media. There's So not even just in the environment, it's fed in a whole bunch of other directions as well. Would you say that's true?
2: Absolutely, no doubt about it. And social media has caused, you know, for all the positives that it might have, It's caused a lot of negatives and it's caused and helped feed this fuel around self-absorption, self-interest, self-attention, what's in it for me. Um, I got to take care of myself. Uh, This whole whole just overall approach of losing focus, that you're part of something bigger than yourself And, and that, you know, I talk to a lot of athletes about this and here's what they, here's what they communicate to me. Some of them will say to me, you know, when we reach our goal, when we, re- when we reach the prize, and let's say it's a championship, a high school state championship, let's say it's an individual achievement of, you know, leading, leading the team and rebounds or scoring or whatever it might be. And in this environment we're in, When you're celebrating something like that achievement, it feels good when it happens. But when it's done alone, that feeling doesn't last very long. And I have players say to me when they get there, it feels like, is this all there is to it? Because they expected something much more intrinsically in respect to the joy of reaching that achievement. And so this social media feeds into the fuel of self-attention, self-absorption. And we have plenty of kids achieving. We have plenty of kids reaching their ultimate goals, but there's a but there's an emptiness about it because we were never meant to do it alone.
1: Yeah. And Patrick, I'm excited for us to dive into some solutions that, that maybe you can outline for coaches to use. But before we go there, I mean, I think you're bringing up some good points. And, um, you know, I'd say in the last 20 years, you can tell me if you agree or disagree, two things have evolved and changed a lot in youth sports and and on up. And one is what you're talking about, social media. It does change the dynamics of of a team. Social media does do that. Um, It does put a lot of attention on the individual, and it gets different individuals chasing the individual clout and recognition. They don't they don't get on Twitter and say uh, TJ was a great teammate on the bench tonight. He cheered for his teammates and he got 27 high fives. Twitter is going to say who was the leading scorer and who was the leading rebounder. And again, those are good things like we should recognize when a player does well. So I agree with you there. Now, the second thing is the adult intervention. I'd like for you to unpack a little bit, because I do think. I don't believe in a kid's today statement, and I don't think TJ does either, but I believe in adults today, coaches today. I think we need adults being stronger and, and coaches being stronger and helping equip young people how to be um, more sustainable long-term. So when you say adult intervention, can you? I know you've unpacked a little bit. Can you just unpack that a little bit more and, and share where you see
2: the, the problems lie? So there's a couple things because the adult event- intervention happens so young. All of a sudden, there's a, a, a formulation occurring within that adult's experience with their son or daughter that they're entitled to have more say or they're entitled to determine exactly the direction that athlete is going to take in respect to reaching their goals in, in that specific sport. And so because of this over involvement, here's the harm. All of a sudden, the coach is very vocal about whether it's in line with the coach and the team or not is irrelevant. And so they're very vocal and very focused on making sure whether they're contributing money, taking their son to travel AAU teams, taking them to specialization, that all of these things are so focused on the individual achievement that the son or daughter never gets to connect their own passion and their own spirit for wanting to play the game. See, in prior generations, And this is the big difference in prior generations when it was independent free play. You can imagine a bunch of guys getting together, going to the court or the field. There were no parents. There were no coaches. There were no special trainers. And what occurred was we were were fierce competitors, but there was also a lot of fun and joy being interjected while we were doing it. There was a connection to each other that was occurring that happened in its natural process that isn't available to kids today because of the parent intervention. One example, you're going to the gym today to your, spot, your, your, your private instructor, and today's work is about dribbling better. It's about shooting better. It's not about having a powwow with your buddies. It's not about messing around. It's not about having even some minutes of some fun. This is work. This is serious. You're in seventh grade. You want, to get, you, want to, you want to be one of the best players in the area? You want to be one of the best players in high school so that you can get a scholarship, so that you can get to a Division One program? There, there's, this is work, son, daughter. This is work. This is, not, this is not play in any way, shape, or form. And so this adult intervention brings a seriousness about it. And can you imagine if I never truly can connect my own purpose and passion for playing because I'm taking instruction at all times from the adults and understand this, that an adult's perspective around success in their maturity, in their years of experience and their wisdom looks a lot different than a 7th grader, 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th through um, ninth through twelfth grader, it's it, it it looks a lot different, and so what we're asking our kids to do is hurry up and grow up, hurry up and grow up because this is this is serious stuff, this is work.
1: Yeah, we're we're accelerating their maturity and we're we're professionalizing you know youth sports, which which can be dangerous and toxic if, and I I think I, I would say it's a little, you know, sports evolve humans. We evolve. And I think that can be okay. It can be okay to go get with a trainer when you're in seventh grade. If we're also equipping them along the way, like go be serious for an hour. Okay. When you get home, go be a kid and just play outside. But I think you're right. Maybe if we're not careful and I think this does happen and I I live in this training world, I, I run a training, you know, kind of business organization in Atlanta. Well, if we have to be careful because once you go down that road, we're and I think we're judging it. Five, what's five feet in front of our face? I think every workout, every game, parents are judging it and and talking about it with their child. And it's like the the long term view has erased itself. Like we we got to be okay with like they didn't have success that game. You know,
2: that's right. And so that's the other side of it is. See, failure takes on a whole different meaning to those athletes when it's coming from an adult. Okay. And so what happens, and this social media plays into this too, right? So here's the double whammy, right? I talk to kids. These kids talk to me. I mean, let me give you some of the things I hear from kids, okay? And I work with... 15 athletic teams across the country, high school level teams. And when you're in a room with them by themselves and you can set up an environment where they feel safe to do so, this is what I get from them. Okay. And I would say that it's above 50%. It's above 50%. The joy of playing anymore just isn't there. I'm talking about these are high school kids. Because they've been doing it since fifth grade, with adult involvement. I, I mean, it's, it's the truth. I'm I'm struggling mentally. Mental health issues, kids that, and I hate to be dark, but they want to commit suicide because there's too much pressure, there's too much stress, there's too much demand. I feel I can't be honest that I have to pretend that I'm having fun because I'm doing it for someone else. I'm not doing it for me. I've never had the opportunity. I've never had the opportunity to say, why do I do this? It's always been about someone else telling me what I need to do in order to succeed. We've gotten lost. See, the commitment has come all the way down, as I said earlier, to the great. There was no privates, weightlifting, um, uh, agility, speed, footwork, shooting, and the list goes on and on. And I, trust me, I'm a coach. I coach for a long time. I love the beauty of an athlete reaching mastery. I'm not saying that we need to do away with any of that. But we have to face the facts that we, as a culture and as a society, we need to own some of this. We need to to look at it and say, boy, it really is getting down to younger and younger ages. And how is that affecting our players? How is that affecting our kids in how we're going about doing this? I, I think it plays a role. It's not the only role but I believe it plays a role in the decrease in athletic participation because the demand that's required down in the younger levels has become so much of their time and energy. And to your point, the adult focus and judgment on it, I'm not doing that. It's not, I'm not doing that. The specialization We can't do other sports because in seventh grade, can you imagine? Right, guys? In seventh grade, I know you're going to be a Division One basketball player, and that's the sport we're going to focus on. I know you're going to be a Division One volleyball player, and that's the sport we're going to focus on. So all I'm saying is, can we take a look at it and find ways to spend some time developing intrinsic spirit to the connection of playing while you're in that environment. And I truly believe it can be done. As a matter of fact, I know it can be done. The teams that hire me to come in and do the work that I do is strictly on the intrinsic side. So their demand hasn't lessened any, but what they have done is said, you know what, I'm going to take 20% of my training that I'm doing right now with our athletes. And I'm going to build in this intrinsic development. I'm going to build in this real value around where the joy comes from. And most importantly, help them find their own reasons why they love to do what they do.
3: Yeah, It's interesting. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this is, you know, if you were to be a trainer or a coach and you start incorporating some more fun into the things you're doing and, and, and try and make the experience a little bit more enjoyable. And, you know, sometimes you can be labeled as not serious enough, not tough enough, not, you know, and so then I think, I feel like coaches get this tug and pull of, of how do, how do I become that particular person? How do I step in and create this environment where they actually get that? And uh, because Nowadays, well, a kid will transfer if they're not getting this so they won't use this trainer if they're not doing this. So it's sometimes feels like a double edged sword for coaches. Like you, you got to up with the Joneses yeah. by making sure you're doing this. But you also have this other.
2: Can you can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, that's a real problem. You know, fear, fear actually drives all of this. Um, and we've gotten so caught up. It's, you know, is there a way to put the brakes on and reverse? Reverse back a little bit. And, and so, as a result of that, it would be difficult to, to your point, to say, would we be willing to take, I don't know, 30, 20% of our serious practice work and find a way to in- integrate some f- independent free play or, or fun so that doesn't seem like it's so much work? And I really do agree with you. I see a problem in respect to trusting that I can do that and not fall behind.
3: Yeah. I mean, would you see I mean, you think about it, hey, let's all take a little break, let's play a game of horse here, right? I mean, I you'll see a parent, yeah. another adult person will step in and say, this coach isn't capable. They played horse or they played nothing That's right. or they played whatever. And so yes, you know, it's not just I mean, like you said, it's the coach, the parents, the administration, like everybody right. plays a role in this. And yeah. I agree with you. I see this this spiral to happen because all of the adults are playing a bit of a role in this.
2: No doubt. And so what has to happen is right, is if I am not willing to do that as a coach because of all the reasons you just laid out then I have to find another way to bring that same kind of fun and joy through another means. And, and that is this way of putting together intrinsic lessons that you can still do your court time. You can still do your serious work, but we need to go even deeper than just you know, playing a game of horse or whatever the case may be, because there's so much that they've missed out on that it's going to take us going into the classroom or really sitting down with each other and building some skill sets that while we're integrated into the seriousness of it, because no one's going to let go of, I've got to keep up with the Joneses that in real time, while they're working the sport, they can intrinsically tap into something that brings joy as a, as opposed to saying I'm going to take 20 minutes and play horse or do things like that. Because quite frankly, I don't know if anyone's going to do that. I really don't know that anyone is going to going to do and risk that this, that's what I'm seeing. Um, and, and so from that perspective, It really becomes important for us to find a different method, a different way of bringing it into the experience that doesn't uh, require that. What's one of the biggest obstacles I have is when I talk to a coach and say, this has to be in your program. It's this, I'm not giving up 20 minutes of free throws or box out drills or or defensive uh, rotation executions for this work because we have to win. We have to win.
1: And Patrick, I was going to – sorry to interject there. I mean, TJ and I talk about this um, on the Hardwood Hustle. We talk about it in our PGC coaching. It's, it's the hard skills and the soft skills. You know, we have to equip our players with hard skills, which you touched on earlier, shooting, passing, dribbling, finishing, and the soft skills, <laughs> how to communicate with a teammate, how to communicate with a teacher, um, the, you know, confidence. How does confidence and doubt – and fear all how do they all relate to one another how do we pursue something out of pursuit and it's okay to fail forward like you you go and create these workshops I heard you say it earlier you're creating a safe place for them to be vulnerable and open and so as coaches that are listening we talk about being a being a transformational coach You can do you can go for winning and you can make a tremendous impact on a young person's life. They are not mutually exclusive. And I think you can play horse, but I also think you can gamify your practice to make it more fun. Or we say 90% of the game is mental, yet we spend 10% of our time working on the mental. So it doesn't add so and TJ does this with his college team, spending he'll take 30 minutes before practice and talk about real issues within the team because that man-to-man defense he needs to go do shell drill on, that doesn't matter as much if John and Jim and Chris don't like each other. And I think this is what you're trying to do is equip players and coaches. So share with us, if you don't mind, like what tools are you giving teams right now based on the field work you're doing so they can be successful?
2: It's interesting when I talk to coaches – and even corporate leaders, you know, there's three basic human needs that every human being desires. Okay. they are love, appreciation, and inclusion. And I challenge coaches and I challenge corporate leaders that if love is the most powerful emotion known to humankind, and it is, is that something that might interest you in respect to integrating that into your program? You see, because when teammates love each other, they'll run into brick walls for each other. They'll they'll die for each other. There'll be such a heartfelt connection that when adversity hits, when you're in the drudgery of the season, when you're doing the hard things, that's, that's the emotion that's going to begin to separate you from the others. How many championship teams, when they're interviewed, and at some point in the interview, there will be this statement that we just loved each other? We absolutely loved each other. So why wouldn't that be something we would want to consciously build and develop in our program? See, to your point, it's not one or the other. It 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 actually makes us more powerful. The the, the byproduct of building those human needs is winning is success it's not the ladder. it's not if i waste time on that i haven't built my team to win that's this that's the fear that's the keeping up with the joneses that they they don't see the forest through the trees that's not we don't have time for that kind of stuff and they're missing the boat they're missing the boat See, it's quality. It's not quantity. You could have an hour practice with teams that tap into that. That's much more powerful than a two-hour practice of a team that has very little attachment to that. And so on and so forth. So, so it's this idea of this, this fear. We talk about appreciation. I was doing an appreciation exercise with a Division I college football team. I bought two linemen up, their average weight was 320 pounds. They could probably beat up 30 guys at one time if they had to. Okay. And these are two guys that came up to the front of the room and they fought with the entire team and they faced each other. And what the exercise was is simply this. What is it? P- pick someone in the room who you appreciate. And, and a minimum of two things, not, not who they are in their talent and their extrinsic contribution, but who they are as a person. And these two guys faced each other. And the one guy expressed what he appreciated most about this other lineman. And the two of them, 320-pound muscular, Division one football linemen were in tears. And it's interesting When I asked the rest of the players, because there were four or five players that did that. The most powerful were two things. One, a star player picked a kid or a young man who never plays, never plays. And took all of five minutes to express to that player what he appreciated about him most, what he brought to the team in respect to who he was as a person. And this kid broke down and the rest of the team stood up and gave him a standing ovation. And I asked that young man later, how are you feeling right now about being part of this team? He said, you know what, coach Tui, I never knew I brought that kind of impact. I'll run through a frigging brick wall for any of these guys. If I ever play a single minute or not knowing what I know right now, see it's very unfortunate that we don't as coaches understand how much this is needed and how much players, if given the opportunity want to express it. They want to build it. They want to bring it into the equation. But like anything else, what you don't know, you don't know. Right, guys? What you don't know, you don't know. I didn't know this could feel so good. I didn't know that this is what's required to build the kind of connection and relationship. I mean, I get it. I mean, we get I'm not saying that it's all drudgery. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just telling you that when you look at things, how things have changed in the in the athletes I talk to, there's so much pain. So so we talk about selflessness and how that happens. We teach it. We, we teach it. We we give exercises around. Not only consciously being aware of selflessness because we are so self-absorbed and have self-interest, we do workshops and lessons around teaching selflessness. And more importantly, we bring what is the value and benefit of being selfless, because they don't know. They they've been told how important they are and how much it has to be on them. So we have to how how do you how do you expect them to know it if we're not spending time on it? And more importantly, motivating them to do so. Why would I? Why would I care about making this guy next to me better than me, Coach Tui? What, what, what do I gain from that? Forget that. Well, what you gain from it is this. Says, see, the, 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 the natural process and principle of things is when you care more about others and you want them to see more than yourself, it comes back to you tenfold. You'll be a better player. You'll be better at your craft. And here's the reasons why. You know, we talk, about, we talk about vulnerability. You know, one of the most lacking things in most programs, again, close the door, no coaches allowed, no parents allowed, no nobody allowed, is trust. Trusting each other. Why would you trust each other to the degree you need to? And then trusting coaches. And so, you know, we use vulnerability as a way to do that. So I know I've said a lot there, but these are some of the things that we need to bring back. Yeah.
3: No, I, all of that is super powerful. Um, it, one of the things that you said in there, which I thought was really interesting, which has been my experience, you know, I consider myself a transformational coach. And you know i love winning and we've won a lot but it uh, pales in comparison to to my biggest goal which is to just um really impact and create better lives better experiences for these men and when i when i think about one of the things that you said a second ago i think coaches underestimate this is when i was growing up and i was playing there was more of a realization that i did want some of that from sports like i wanted to be connected i wanted to have teammates i wanted to have relationships i wanted to do it and because of all these external factors that have come in. I'm not sure that – well, I do think that players don't realize that they want it, but I think this generation may even want it more than I wanted it. They just don't know that they want it. That's right. right. (laughs) Because when those moments happen, it's because – they spend so much of their time not doing it, so much of their time with their trainer, with their individual or their parent telling them what they were. And then when they actually get that experience of knowing what it's like to be on a team with gratitude, with selflessness, selflessness a team that appreciates each other and trusts each other. And they, when they actually get that experience, I sometimes find that, you know, it is more powerful than it was 15 years ago because it's more rare these days. Would you agree with that?
2: There's no doubt about it, absolutely no doubt about it and I do believe that those programs that stay committed to that you know they will they will begin to differentiate themselves from other programs
3: and, I, and I, for coaches that are not necessarily all in on this and believing in this you know i I give a culture talk at our clinics and One of the things I say in the very beginning is for those of you that want to be transformational coaches, I think this is just going to help you a ton. And for those of you that don't necessarily have that goal right now, it is also a necessity to winning. Like the teams that achieve the most, if you're just driven by winning, the teams that achieve the most love each other the most. And you're likely to underachieve when you don't have a team that has gratitude and selflessness and doesn't trust each other. So even if your bottom line was just straight winning, this is the stuff that will help you win is creating these these bonds and these experiences that uh, the what you labeled the intrinsic stuff to come out of them, because when they do have that, they achieve more. And and that's the that's the irony of it is that sometimes coaches go after this, focusing on the extrinsic stuff, not realizing that the intrinsic stuff is really probably more powerful than the extrinsic stuff.
2: I mean, the example, you're, you're spot on, uh, the example I'll give you is it's a live example of Shawnee F- uh, high school football in New Jersey, South Jersey. Here's a program that has a coach that's been there for over 40 years now in highly successful 2002. Uh, he had a team that on paper was projected to win a state championship um, up to that point he had many teams reach the state playoffs and get to no further than the first or second round and For the life of him he couldn't figure out what was missing you know what's missing here we have talented players we're winning it's not that we're losing you know we're winning, but there's something missing there's something that's that's missing here, and he took a risk, and he hired my brother, Kevin, who started this work way back in 2002. My brother died of stage four lung cancer five years ago, and I've just continued his work. But in 2002, he took a risk on my brother and said, Kevin, I'm going to take, take 20% of my practice time, and I'm going to give it to you to build this intrinsic development. Fast forward to through So from 2002 to 2021, he won nine state championships. And he, if he was sitting here talking to you today, what he would tell you is that the difference maker was this intrinsic work that we do every year now. I would, it's our lifeline. I I would never be without it because I, I fully understand the power of it. So to your point, Absolutely. You reach your fullest potential when these are foundational. These intrinsic developments are foundational within your program, whether that's whether that's five and 15. But you couldn't have played any better. You couldn't have worked any harder. You couldn't have given more of an effort, but you gave you, you you reached your fullest potential or whether you're 20 and one because you happen to have the horses and the talent. But they loved doing it. You know, how many teams have I talked to where a coach has said, Coach, we've won 18 games, but I cannot wait for this season to get over with. I mean, that's just not a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, you know, and you know, the flip side of it not being fun for the players, what we're seeing a ton is coaching yeah. being drained. Coaches not doing oh. experience. Coaches wanting out of it. And, and a, a lot of those external factors play a huge part in that and and not only are players not getting this experience, I think coaches aren't getting this experience as
2: well. They're drained they're drained many of them are drained and you know I was driving down in South Carolina <clears throat> over the summer and I was ran ran through this town driving through this town and at the YMCA building and a couple of the uh, church buildings in town there was a there was a sign big sign that said in capital letters, please we're looking for youth coaches and officials for our youth sports teams. And it gave me pause to say, you know, what's that about? And I'm, you know, being a coach myself, I hear this a lot. I mean, I I, I think if we don't do something about it. as a matter of fact, I know there's going to be young coaches who would be great coaches who are not going to come into this profession. Is that what we want? Is that what we really want? Not only that, I don't know about you guys, but here in our, in our area, Southwest Michigan, offici- officials are, are, are tough to get anymore. And, and, and I think part of that sign is I'm not going to coach. Not with those crazy parents. If I make a bad call, somebody comes out and punches me in the face because their kid isn't getting enough playing time or whatever the case may be, or an official makes a bad call and they're chased out in the parking lot. Is this what is this what we really want? This is what adult intervention is doing.
1: No doubt. I mean, if Patrick goes back to a, a great quote "Is hey, uh, players play, coaches coach, uh, referees, ref, and parents cheer. Uh, but parents try to play all four. they try to they try to coach, they try to ref and cheer and and, and then maybe sometimes run out there and try to play too. I want to go back though to something you said earlier that was really important, I think for for the audience to hear. You said there's three basic human needs: love, appreciation, and inclusion. And then you shared that story of the young man being celebrated in front of his teammate. And what happened there was he was loved on. He was appreciated and therefore he felt included. And gosh, I, I think coaches need to hear that. Coaches, are you affirming your players daily? And not only you, but are you providing the platform and the the space for the teammates to affirm one another? And and celebrate. That's something we do at PGC. And I took it to my, you know, I coached a sixth grade team this past winter. I'll coach a, a group of 17 new college players uh, here in a few in a couple of weeks for a few months. And we we do that. We take at the end of every practice, at the end of every game, win or lose. All right, let's let's celebrate one another. And um, man, I, I'm just so glad you shared that because I think we all need to provide spaces for teammates to be you know, forever team to be great teammates. And yeah, I just think yep. it's so important. So thanks
2: for sharing. That. Yeah. And here's, here's the other thing, if I may, real quick, right. You guys tell me what you think. Okay. I, I think that, I think the focus and, and, and the way things are set up right now is this, are we excluding a lot of potential players and participation that could occur at the younger levels or the high school level, because we've, we've really broken it down to, this is the requirement to play. This is the commitment to play. This is the work that needs to be done to play. This is what we need from, again, all of these things. And even the the fear of the Jones is playing a big role. And and to me, what's happening to a large extent is we're losing sight that if somehow we change that experience, we would invite in a whole lot more youth players and high school players because what we're structuring night right now is in, in many instances about getting to the highest level of being able to play, whether it be your highest level as, as a high, high school athlete as a division one, division two or division three. Is there a whole population of players that once used to play that wanted to participate and wanted to be part of it, but, but they're finding a hard time understanding where they fit in or where to go to do that. I don't know. That That's just a thought that goes through my mind. I, I don't know that to be factual, but I'm wondering.
3: Yeah because sometimes I I agree with you. I think sometimes committing to playing a sport is almost like committing to go after a college scholarship. I mean, because the, the entry level is like, well, if I'm going to do this, I've got to be gung ho serious. I've got to play, you know, for this team and I've got to play on this travel team and I got to be, you know, I got to do all of these things to just, that's the baseline to play this sport. Whereas, you know, I think more and more people dove into not just, you know, sports, but multiple sports, at a younger age and now it's specializations become so young. And if I'm going to specialize, I've got this level of commitment to it. You know, I watch it in my own kids where, you know, I have probably both ends like a a daughter that is so serious about who she wants to be that I'm, I'm wanting to help her to have more fun because she's driven Mm -hmm. to do this. And then I have a a son on the other end who would love to play and have some fun but he recognizes I'm not committed as, as she is. Like, I just wanted to do it and have some fun and play, but where's the space for me to go do this? And and I, yeah, I think that uh, it can cut both ways and balancing that as a parent, as a coach, as a leader, like it is tough because there's not as many outlets for these different directions. It almost seems like there's one, one direction that you can go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember back in the day and it, it was, and it was fun. I mean, so I'm going to put some names out there that you guys would never know who they are. But to me, when I was a you know eighth grader, you know Kevin McLean, uh, Woody Keys. I mean, um, I mean, I could I could go on of the list. They were great to watch play basketball. They were great to watch play football in. They were great to watch play baseball in. I mean, these kids, these guys were legends, you know. But they played three sports, and I you know again, that's that's way back when. But um, I I think that would be awesome if somehow we could bring that back into the fold. But to your point, coach, when fear is the driving factor and it is fear, it's hard to, it's hard to undo it unless something really drastic happens. Um, And here's my thing. Okay. I I don't want to sound like a, you know, the world is coming to an end and I, and I hope I'm not coming across that way, but I will tell you this. I do think there are things happening that if we don't pay attention and and we don't make some changes and do something about it, that it's only going to get worse. And we're only going to have that many more challenges that we're going to have to face as a coaching fraternity in respect to the experiences kids are having and whether they're going to play it or not play it. And whether we're going to get coaches coaching or not coaching and whether we're going to get officiating done or not done. And I do believe that if we don't pay attention, it could get away from us because it definitely isn't the same today as it was 10 years ago. And where is it going to be 10 years from now?
1: I think, Patrick, first off, you're bringing up some some incredible moments and teaching points, and I hope coaches are taking away a lot of these nuggets. You know, you, you triggered a couple of quick thoughts I want to share, which is one, some coach out there may be listening to this and be like, oh, do we really have to love each other? Is that really what I got cre- to create? I got to create a lovey environment, you know, because you watch the last dance and you see Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, they they don't, you know, they didn't even talk for months and they won a championship and they not only won one, they won three. And I I'd, I'd caution coaches on that, Okay. Yeah. First off, when you have one one of the best players ever, who's an alpha and and one of the, maybe the greatest competitor, that trumps some of that. Okay, that trumps some of that. And you have a great one of the greatest rebound. You know, so I would just caution. And but at the end of the day, if all they won was a championship and they didn't have love, how much did they win? Real. And, and I say that like I I was a Michael Jordan, I am a Michael Jordan fan, and and all of that. I love, so I'm going to parlay that Patrick into this thought. And then I know TJ will wrap us up is, um, you know, Alonzo Stagg, who is a, a football m- multiple national championship coach. They asked him, Hey, after one of his championship seasons, they said, you know, was this year a success? He said, I don't know. Ask me in 20 years, meaning, mm. meaning, yes, we won a championship and we want to win another one, but I'll know whether it was a success for my young men and what type of husbands and fathers they are, what type of teammates they are 20 years from now. And I think that's an important thing for all of us as coaches and leaders and parents to to be ultra aware of.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't agree anymore. 100 percent. Yeah.
3: You know, um, gosh, if I feel like for coaches, you know, like that gauntlet's laid down a little bit, you're either going to be a part of the problem or part of the solution. And uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta make a decision, and I hate to be you know that blunt about it, but in most cases, I see that coaches are one or the other you know you're either contributing to this to this problem or you're you're fighting against it and you're trying to make yeah. something better for everybody and you're trying to improve lives and so coaches, I hope you'll dig deep and, and and find uh that answer and and I think big part of that would be reading this book create forever teammates you know as you can hear we we only got to go a short period of time but tons of really impactful just nuggets and ideas and just maybe stirring the soul a little bit on like what do i really do this and how do i do this better if i really want to make it make an impact so you know patrick your brother uh started a great work and you're carrying on a, a great mm-hmm. work uh hardwood hustle we just can't uh Give you enough, uh, you know, snaps for the job that you're doing, and appreciation for um, the impact that that you're you're making and in, in choosing to be a part of the solution here. And so, we really want to encourage our listeners to go read this and uh, to learn more. So, where can where can they find you on uh, social media, websites, or whatever, and, and where can they locate the book? So, if you could put that information out and tell us where that is, that'd be really helpful.
2: And that'd be awesome. Thanks, Coach. So, my website is Elite Performance. Two that's T O O dash E dot com again, Elite Performance Two one word dash E dot com. On my website, you'll be able to get access to the book and order the book. You'll also be able to uh, make contact with me if there's some interest in having me come out and work with your teams. I do, as I mentioned during the uh, interview, a number of clients right now that I work with to help integrate these lessons. Uh, They're done in a number of different ways. One is the coaches hire me to do it as full-time work. When I say full-time during that season, they also ask me to train them and they do the work. And some just step right in and start doing the lessons themselves. So the book is laid out in a way with very practical lessons and experiences. Uh, I also can uh, let you know that I have a Twitter site. I have a Facebook site. Again, Elite Performance Tui. You'll find it there. It's also uh, a link on my website. The book itself can be ordered through Amazon. It can be ordered through uh, Barnes & Noble. You can also Google create forever teammates and there'll be another other number of other book sources in which to order it from. So I appreciate you giving me a few minutes to mention that coach. Yeah. And
3: we'll, we'll tag all that on social media. So coach, and if you have any trouble coaches, just reach out to us and we'll point you in the right direction to, uh, to get to you to the book and and love to get your thoughts on social media. And, you know, after you've read it a while, tag us and let us know, you know, your thoughts on, on the book and we'll chime in and have some conversation on that as well. So again, Patrick, just kudos to you, man. Keep up uh, the great work. Thanks for taking time to join us on the hardwood hustle and look forward to having you back at some time in the future. And, and just going a little bit deeper on this, because uh, this is why we do the hardwood hustles to help coaches Find a way to be more impactful and and to encourage and inspire not only them, but to inspire their athletes as well. So thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks so much, Coach. Appreciate it. Yeah,
3: well, hey, he is Sam Allen and I am TJ Rosine and we are the Hardwood
0: Hustle. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. Don't forget, you can receive PGC Basketball's Monday Mindset and three-point play emails by going to pgcbasketball.com. Until then, thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.